If you would turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. I want to, um, we're going to just look at Jesus. You know, uh, I found something in life. If you don't know what to do, you should just look at Jesus, right? <laughs> I'm remembering, um, you remember the transfiguration? I think it's uh, later on in Luke. There's also an account in Matthew. But at the transfiguration, uh, the Bible says that Peter, James, and John are up on this mountain. Many think it's probably Mount Hermon, which is fantastic, right? Uh, a place that is considered uh, a, a high demonic activity in the region. And then, and then Christ is up on this mountain being transfigured and glorified. And Peter is there. And Pe- the Bible says that Peter doesn't know what to do. So he says, this is great, Jesus, because he sees Moses and Elijah there. And he's like, this is so great, Jesus. Let's get some booths out. We'll get one booth for you, Moses, and one booth for you, Elijah, and one booth for Jesus, as if Jesus, Moses, and Elijah are on the same level, Right? And the Bible says, actually, that a voice from heaven comes. And there's three dudes up on the mountain seeing Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. And this voice comes out of heaven and says, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then he says this, Listen to him. This is my boy. This is my boy in whom I am well pleased. Yeah, Moses is a stud, no doubt. No, yeah, Elijah did some great stuff. But listen, listen to him, he said, Jesus. And there's something in our culture. In our culture, we are encouraged and pushed to listen to every single person except Jesus. Did you know that? Actually, our culture says, no, 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 no. You should listen to your feelings. No, 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 no. You should actually listen to who, who is talking on the television screen. No, 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 no. Actually, you should listen to this elected official. No, 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 no. You should listen to your mama. And yet, God the Father says what? Moses is good. Elijah's awesome. I love those boys, but this is my beloved son. Listen to him. I want to ask you a question this morning. How are you doing with that? How are you doing with that? It's a funny thing. In American Christianity, sort of this American Christian culture, we've, we've sort of bifurcated life in such a way that Sunday mornings, I'm going to listen to Jesus-y stuff. I'm not sure I'm listening to Jesus, but there's some dude up there screaming, so it's like Jesus-y stuff. I'm going to go to this Bible study. I'm, I'm going to listen to this Bible study author person that's written some things. I'm going to listen to, my, to these elders and pastors that are talking to me. But Monday through Saturday, I'm listening to what I want to listen to. I'm just talking about myself. I'm not, I'm not angry. I'm just talking about myself. I grew up in church. I mean, I grew up on the mission field. Mom and dad were missionaries. I've been in church my entire 
life. Most of the time, I was just listening to some pastor talk. And then during the week, I'm listening to my teachers, my mom and dad, all these other people. I I never heard anyone say, Jamie, do you know, actually, that the one person you should be listening to is Jesus? And not just for churchy stuff, as if our lives are separated into like churchy, sacred, holy things, like Sunday morning, ooh. And then like kind of like lesser things that are not as holy, not as sacred, like going to work, right? Actually, no, no, it is all sacred. Wherever you go actually is holy ground. Did you know that? Because you carry the king of the universe the creator of all things. You carry him. So I ask the question, in your day-to-day, do you listen to Jesus? And if not, who do you listen to the most then? Listen, Moses is great. Elijah's a stud, absolutely. The father says, listen to him. This is my boy. Listen to him. Um, There's a theme throughout Scripture. We see it in the garden. Starts in the garden and goes all the way through. Tell me, who was in Eve's ear looking at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Who, who was in Eve's ear? Anybody? The serpent was in Eve's ear. Oh, oh who? I know it's like super basic. Who was Eve listening to? The enemy. <laughs> like all of this started, right, for not listening. So there's like a theme through Scripture. Listen. Choose carefully who you are listening to. It could be life or death in your life. I'm not, being, this isn't, I'm not talking pastorally dramatic here. And listen, pastors get dramatic. I'm not, I'm not doing that. It's literally life or death, who you listen to. You know, we've been in a series on identity. It's so interesting. Much of identity, I, we can sit up here and talk identity. You're this, you're this, you're this, you're this, you're this. But if you're listening to the wrong thing, actually, none of that identity stuff gets appropriated to your life. Because you're listening to someone else who's saying, that's not true. Don't don't believe that. You got a guy up here saying, you're loved infinitely in in your ear. Like, no, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're free from condemnation. No, no, you did that bad thing again that you said you wouldn't do. No, actually, you're adopted into this triune family. It's amazing. Triune infinite love is swirling around you and in you and on you. Ah, It's awesome. Actually, I don't feel that way. No, no, you don't feel that way. Are y'all hearing me right now? I, I, I feel like the Lord is saying, listen, there's a bunch of lies y'all been listening to. And they have to do with your identity. And you can come up here. We can all come up here and read scripture and talk about identity. Uh, but if you're listening to lies, you don't appropriate identity to your life. So I'm going to ask again, who are you listening to? 
even this message right now, even, even what I'm saying right now, if what I'm saying is not of God, you should ignore it. <laughs> there's, a, there's a healthy skepticism. I'm trying to use my words carefully. There's a healthy skepticism needed by all of us to guard what we're listening to. Just because just somebody is talking doesn't mean it's true. And listen, just because someone says something, this is what the Bible says, doesn't mean it's true. I'm, 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 calling, I'm calling all of us. Who are you listening to? Moses is awesome. Elijah's a stud. Listen to my boy. Listen to him. Okay, Luke chapter 3. I think that what the Lord's doing is the Father is coming after lies in the room. So we're just going to draw out the lies. We're going to name them from the text. This is Luke chapter 3, starting at verse 21. Luke 3, verse 21. We're jumping into the story. John the Baptist is baptizing people. Verse 21, Luke chapter 3. Now when all the people were baptized, that's by John, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him, that is Jesus, in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. By the way, that same language, like I said, is at the transfiguration. I think it's Luke chapter 9. There's the transfiguration, same language. And then the Father adds, listen to him, to Jesus. So Jesus is baptized. We see the Trinity at play. The Holy Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove. Has anybody asked the question, why is the Holy Spirit descending like a dove on Jesus? No, seriously, I'm asking the question. Why? I'm, I'm happy for an answer. Why a dove? Visual proof? Okay. Why a dove specific, specifically? Why not a pterodactyl? Peace and blessings? Pterodactyl would hurt. Where else, where else do we see a dove? Noah's Ark. Oh, oh interesting. Right? So, so Noah is releasing this dove. <laughs> Comes back with an olive branch. It's a, it's a symbol of the refuge and salvation, salvific work of God. Do you see this? Like Jesus is the ark. <laughs> he, he is the safe place. He is the refuge. My God is my refuge and strength. So when the dove actually comes and, and rests on Jesus, actually, it's a picture. Or the people that are sitting there go, oh, okay, so a dove. Oh, this is interesting. He is the safe place. He is the saving one. He is the one. If you come with this one, actually, you'll be saved from storms. 
You'll be saved from judgment. You'll be saved from death. Are y'all, are y'all hearing me right now? This is gospel. Actually, Jesus is the saving one. If you are in Jesus, the storm of judgment of God towards the sin of humanity actually spares those who are in the ark. This is all gospel. And the truth is this. All of us are so jacked up that we deserve the wrath of God. Eternal separation from God forever. Like you think the flood is one thing. No, burning fire is coming. And the good news is this. God has so loved us. I don't want to destroy. I don't want to destroy my people. I love them. So I'm going to come actually and take the wrath and punishment that they deserve for their sin towards me. I'm going to take it on myself. And I'm going to crucify my son in their place for their sin. And all who come to him and listen to him, to Jesus, actually, there's a great exchange. Our sin for his righteousness. We become the children of God, the righteousness of God. We don't just get forgiven. We also get eternal triune delight from the Father, Son, and Spirit. In the text, the Father says, this is my beloved Son. This is my boy in whom I am well pleased. He he is the, the source and object of my delight, the Father says. Like, I couldn't love this boy more. You know what I'm saying? I was at a marching band competition yesterday in uh, Loveland High School, Bailey and Caden are marching. I'm looking out there. I can't really tell Bailey. She's in the trombone section. Can't really tell. But I know exactly where Caden is because he's next to the one big bass drum, and he's, he's hitting the toms like this. I'm sitting there. I'm like, that's my boy right there. <laughs> look at what he's doing. He's like, no, 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 doing a little crab thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, dude, look at you. That's awesome. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, look at that kid. The kid came for me and her. And now he's doing this thing. I get so excited. Can you imagine the infinite, eternal, pre-eternal God of the universe is so excited about his own son, the triune one. And then because of by grace through faith in Christ, actually that love gets poured into our hearts and we get all up in this love. Such that because of the gospel, the Father looks at you if you are in Christ and says, this is my beloved son and my beloved girl in whom I am well pleased. <laughs> so one of the lies that some of you are believing is if I obey the Bible and do the right things, he'll love me. If I don't, he stops loving me. That is a lie from hell. And listen, I get it. I've been caught in addictions and sin patterns that I thought to myself, what is wrong with me? And the enemy has whispered in my ear, you've gone too far now, Jamie. You made that promise that you would never do that again, and you did. Now it's over. Let me tell you, that's a lie straight from hell. 
because it, it attempts to tell me that the love of the Father for me is dependent on my obedience rather than the obedience of Christ for me. The lie is telling me the gospel is not sufficient. Jamie needs to be his own savior. I want to tell you here in this room, come to Jesus. You cannot obey your way into the love of the Father. You must come to Jesus. And it requires a level of humility to say, you know what, I'm, this ain't working. <laughs> like, like, I'm not obeying enough. I, I'm not doing the right things. I'm giving my life actually to Jesus now. I'm going to let Jesus be the boss. I'm going to invite everyone to do that today. Like, in your heart and in your mind, to just go, I, I, this ain't working. <laughs> I'm actually recommitting my life to Jesus. Jesus is my boss now. He died on the cross in my place. He's, he's, he's offering me righteousness in exchange for sin and brokenness and my rebellion against God. Actually, I'm, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to invite all of you to do that again today. That's the first lie. Let's keep looking in the text. There's more lies. we got an entire genealogy. I'm not going to read all this. Can't pronounce most of these names anyway. Could have taken some time to learn the pronunciation and look fancy, but y'all know I ain't fancy. Um, just a couple of things I want to mention. You have a genealogy in Matthew, you have a genealogy in Luke. Um, both of these genealogies have got some dark spots, if you know what I'm saying. You got, we got some family line issues. We got, we got some incest things going on. We got some adultery things. We got some murder things. We have some unequally yoked things. We have all kinds of things happening in the family line of the Messiah, the King, Jesus. And yet, the Father doesn't look at the Son, Jesus, and go, you were going to be my beloved Son if your grandparents and ancestors hadn't have done that thing. You were my beloved, but I know what your great-grandfather did. You were my beloved, but there's a Moabite girl in your lineage. Are y'all hearing me right now? I, I, you were my beloved, but actually there's an incest thing in there. I, I don't love you anymore. Some of you have lies, and the lie is this. I'm caught in some sort of cycle because of mom and dad, grandparent, great-grandparent, great-great-grandparent. I'm caught in some sort of cycle that's keeping me from actually experiencing the love of God. That's a lie from hell is what it is. The love of the Father for you, your identity in Christ, is based off of who you are in Christ. If you've come to Christ, that is giving you the love of God. Yeah. Are y'all hearing me? Yeah. Listen, and I'm not saying that patterns, generational patterns, family patterns don't, uh, don't trip us up. Absolutely. I'm talking about at, a, at an eternal, infinite love level. The Father's not looking at you and going, dang, man. Your ancestor did that, would have loved you, but except for that. He's not saying that. Let's keep going. In the Bible, good. Let's look at chapter 4, Luke, Luke 4. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. 
Did you know that you're called to be full of the third member of the Trinity, God himself? It's one of your identities, that you are a carrier of the Spirit of God. You're actually a temple, a dwelling place. This isn't like special for Jesus. Actually, if we're in Christ, actually, we're called to be full of the Holy Spirit. You say, come on, Jamie. No, Jesus actually said, if you fathers who, who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. I'm just quoting Bible here. Because see, the Bible will actually come against all your lies. Did you know? That the Father actually, Jesus says about the Father, listen, listen, all you fathers out here, y'all are not good. Y'all ain't good. But you know how to give a good gift on Christmas. Like, you know, you know how to give a good gift. Uh, they're going to like this gift. This is going to be awesome. And Jesus says, even though y'all are evil and you know how to give good gifts, how much more will the Heavenly Father actually pour out the Holy Spirit for those who ask? Did you know that you and I had the opportunity to be full of the Holy Spirit? Paul says to be continually filled. That means, that means how, about asking, how about asking like not just one time 15 years ago to be filled with the Spirit? How about, how about today? How about right now and then five minutes from now? How about right now, five minutes from now, and then another five minutes after that? How about tomorrow and then five minutes after that? And then another five minutes after that? How about two and a half minutes after that? Are y'all, are y'all hearing me right now? We could be full of God. Okay, it's going to. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led. Somebody say led. led. Was led by the Spirit. So apparently, being full of the Spirit means you're led by the Spirit. So, so when I'm full of the Spirit, now I'm being led. Okay, led. Okay. Full of the Holy Spirit. Returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit, little dove pterodactyl thing, led by the Spirit, uh oh, into a wide and happy place where there were no troubles, into a place of milk and honey, mm. of burgers, coleslaw, chips, and soda, mm. Mm. Texas barbecue, none of that skyline stuff. You know, it's not, it's not, oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Did I say that out loud? Led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. <laughs> you know, there's a lie. It goes like this. If anything bad has happened to you, it's because you're a bad person and you sinned against God. If anything difficult happens in your life, it's because you're a bad person and you sinned against God. We have like a weird Christian karma thing. That's straight from hell, friends. Oh, I didn't obey, so now I get sick. Oh, I, I didn't obey, so now I'm in a wilderness. Oh, I didn't obey, so now my, my kid, fill in the blank. Was there any sin? I'm just going to make it plain, plain theology. Was there any sin in Jesus? Answer is no. Okay, good. All right. Um, 
He was, he was full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit. The Father says, this is my boy in whom I'm well pleased. He has all the love of God. He has infinite love, full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit. He's literally following the Spirit, and the Spirit leads him into difficulty. He's loved, he's full, he's following, and he's walking into difficulty. I, I want to tell you right now, your identity in Christ does not, does not mean that you don't experience difficult things. Actually, it could be that you will walk directly into difficult things. The difference is, of course, the good shepherd is walking through the valley of the shadow of death with you. <laughs> Actually, you have a shepherd who is like, okay, come on. I've already been through this. Actually, I went to straight hell for you. I, I can handle this. And he walks with you. The difficult thing you're walking through does not mean that the Father doesn't love you. It could be actually that he does love you and he's walking through it with you. Your identity in Christ does not mean everything is roses. It means there are wilderness times. But he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus is fasting for 40 days. Goodness gracious. And he was tempted by the devil. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The author of the book of Hebrews says that Jesus was tempted in every way just as we are. So what's about to happen, we're about to see three temptations. But these three temptations in some ways serve as illustrative temptations because the Bible says actually he was tempted for 40 days. <laughs> Are you all seeing it in the text? He was tempted by the, by the devil for 40 days, and then it was ended, and he was hungry. And then now, now it says there's three temptations. So I hope you see this. Uh, these are illustrations of the kinds of temptations that Jesus went through for 40 days. It's not like three, three temptations, did it, nice. Actually, 40 days, actually. Oh, boy. Here's another lie. If I'm tempted and even think about sin, I've committed that sin. And the Father doesn't love me. Are y'all hearing me right now? So, somebody, somebody's hearing it. Being tempted to sin is not sin. Jesus, the sinless Lamb of God, the Son of God, was tempted in every way. Have you ever thought about the ways that you and I are tempted? And think to yourself, Jesus was tempted in the same way. No, no really. Think about the worst thing you've ever been tempted. Jesus was tempted in the same way. That's what the Bible says. And yet knew no sin. Why? So that he could actually <laughs> help us in our temptation. All right, we'll do this quick. Three temptations. The devil said to him, verse 3, if, somebody say if. if. If you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Do you see that the first temptation here is related to identity? Let me ask that again. Do you see that the first temptation is related to identity? It's almost like what I just said is actually from Jesus. It's almost like that. If you are the son, okay, okay. So Jesus is baptized. The father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. 
full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit into the wilderness 40 days. And the, the first words out of Satan's mouth are what? If, if you are the son. The, the first temptation is related to identity. Let me tell you something. Your identity is under attack right now. Your identity in Christ is under attack right now. It's not about behavior. It's about identity. It's not about doing this or not doing that. It's about identity. Are you hearing me? Like, how does that change, how does that change your life? When it, okay, I'm going to listen to Jesus. And then any temptation that comes to me is actually related to my identity in Jesus. It's actually related to the love of the Father for me in Christ. This temptation. What's the first temptation? has to do with hunger, doesn't it? has to do with desire. If, if you're this beloved one in whom he is well pleased, then wouldn't he give you what you want? Are, are y'all seeing it in the text? <laughs> if you're the beloved one in whom he is well pleased, he wouldn't want you to be hungry. Just make these stones be bread so you can eat. Listen to me. A major temptation that is coming at your identity is do you believe your feelings or do you believe the Father? Do you believe your, do you believe your impulses or do you believe the Father? What he says of you in Christ. Oh, my goodness. Okay, we're in a culture right now, we've talked about this, is being driven by expressive individualism. What that means is the highest good is for everyone to express their inner feelings and impulses and desires. And to the degree that everyone gets to express their inner feelings, impulses, and desires, which, by the way, is the first temptation right here. Isn't that, are you, are you seeing what I'm saying? Like, literally, the very first temptation, our culture is obsessed with, let's just make sure everybody gets to express what's inside their hungers and their desires. And it's related to identity, so much of this. Well, I don't feel like this gender. I, I don't feel like this. And I have a hunger. And a, so I'm going I'm to get this. Your feelings are not trustworthy because they go like this. And if you catch a kid whose feelings are like this and then you encourage them to do surgery... You cause a lot of problems. Are y'all hearing me right now? I'm not trying to be political. I'm just talking about biblical worldview. Our feelings are like this. Thus, you cannot trust your feelings. You must trust the Father, what he has said of us in Christ. This is the identity. This is the temptation here. If you are the son of God, there's no way that he wouldn't let you just satisfy your feelings. So the lie, friends. Well, I don't feel loved by the Father. It doesn't matter what you feel. If you are in Christ, you are infinitely, perfectly loved. And if Jesus says fast for 40 days, guess what? It, it, it don't matter what you feel. Because <laughs> we have a king. Seriously, what if, the, what if you're full of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit said, I want you to fast for 40 days? Will you listen to him? Last lie. I wish I could get through all of this. Last lie. Actually, we're not going to do that last lie. 
I hope that you have identified some lies you've been believing this morning. And I want to pray for you, and I'm going to ask the Father to break off those lies. And by the way, it could be that while you were listening, the Father exposed another light in your ear that I didn't even talk about. I'm going to ask you to present that to the Lord, and I'm going to ask the Father to break that off in your life. Does that make sense, what we're about to do? So I'm going to invite Gregory up here. He's going to play a little bit. I'm going to invite you to just enter into a posture of prayer right now. Let's spend a few moments submitting the lies we have believed, submitting them to the Father. Just take a few moments. Make sure you've got that lie strongly in hand. And just a suggestion, if you're not sure, like, I'm not really sure, then I would just ask Jesus right now. The Bible says we should listen to him. He says, I'm the good shepherd who speaks, and my sheep hear my voice. So I would like for you, if you don't have a lie in mind that you want broken off, that you would just picture Jesus and ask him, what lie am I believing about the Father's love and my identity? And then wait and listen. So we'll just take a few moments. Spend some time with Jesus. I'm going to invite you to take that lie. It's a shadowy thing. I'm going to invite you to picture that shadowy thing in your hand. It's a shadow that the Father will light up and remove from you. So I'm going to invite you to take that shadow and to hand it to Jesus. Just picture Jesus. And I invite you to pray something like this. Jesus, I don't want to believe lies. I want to listen to you. And I'm asking you to set me free of these lies. Jesus said about himself, I have come to set the captives free. I have come to speak truth to those who have believed lies. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except me.